Well, at least our schools aren't, don't look like target practice. <laughs> Looks good. <laughs> Have some empathy. <laughs> it's the queen. Uh, the queen died. Rip. <laughs> Again, <laughs> Queen died again. Oh man, should I? Oh, first, first Freddie, now Elizabeth. Elizabeth, on the castle, who's my soul? I hope my camera doesn't overheat again. Remember that? Will. Yeah, it's a piece of shit. Yeah, it's a. Fuck I need to get camera. a new camera. I need to get a new camera. Sony, Sony has cameras that are. 200 bucks that's gotta be that's gotta be that's gotta be good right yeah maybe what up motherfuckers welcome to episode too aggressive whatever the hell number this is i have no idea this is episode 16 it's like some volvo Wait. something it's a volvo v60 whatever who gives a shit looks ugly. we can't have <laughs> <laughs> what a, it's an ugly car. what a terrible way to come back it's after ugly a hiatus jesus christ I'm tired. Um, I am David Kabushikars. I am Nick Scarpin Auto, and this is our lovely co-host Vanessa. Vanessa, have you done your hair differently recently? Who is very likely being blocked by your leg. But uh, there you go. There's Vanessa. Love you, babe. Vanessa. Uh, Vanessa, I know you don't ever get your own seat on the podcast i mean you do but you never get your own camera and i think that we need the vanessa cam yeah a vanessa cam i mean we just got to cut to her reactions her classic her classic uh reactions that we that we never get she's a cutie look at her dude just take a long good a good long look at vanessa not that long all right hey stop looking at my daughter is your daughter of age no why <laughs> I, I got her, like... Uh, I want to, like, ask for your daughter's hand. Ugh. How fucking dare you? You know she, she doesn't, doesn't have, have any hand. hands. Yeah. <laughs> it's insensitive. Jeez, I'm sorry, baby. You deserve better. Get your armless ass out of here. <laughs> and legless. Don't talk about my daughter's ass like that. And legless. But not the cool Living with no arms or legs is how you exist right now, Vanessa. You're basically useless. <laughs> is this episode 16 or 17? I don't know. Could it be 18, like Vanessa over here? Oh, <laughs> I don't know God. why I'm on this. All right. <laughs> we have uh, much to talk about. We got lots to talk about, but mostly Pokemon. We have mostly Pokemon to talk about uh, because Scarlet Pokemon, Pokito Monster, Scarleto, and Pokito Monster, Violeto are both coming out uh, November 18th, and there are now going to be nine generations of Pokemon games. So we took it upon ourselves, or are taking it upon ourselves. To look at every single generation of Pokemon games, not just the mainline games, but all the spinoffs as well. And today, that we played, that we've played, right? Yeah, we can't speak on the, you know, the games that we haven't ever played. I think that would be irresponsible of us. 
However, we do find it necessary to talk about the games that we have played because who knows if we'll be doing this podcast two years from now when the next generation of Pokemon games come out and we have to do it all over again. But we'll be like 30. Holy shit. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. I mean, speaking we're going to... Speaking of 30, 3. It's Gen 3 today. Okay. And Gen 3 has a holy macro fuckload of games. I've never heard a segue like like that yeah. before. Like, Well, welcome to the Cars podcast where we don't care about... We never got into segues either. I, I guess it would be we never got on to, on to segues because segues, you don't get into them. They don't have doors. It's just maybe the, there's like a prototype out there. That's like a like a like a one car door, like a segue. segue with doors. Yeah, like two doors on either side, and it's just like you know very tiny enough for like one person. So you know you you don't get rained on <laughs> or hail when you're trying to ride your segue. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I'm right, when I'm riding my Segway. The one thing that I'm I'm number one concern always is is it gonna rain today? Am I gonna be okay? Are all of my fucking groceries that I'm driving back home with on my Segway gonna be fine? Because what if you're you know driving along a mountain on your Segway? What? <laughs> and it it's snowing, and it gets in your eye, and then you swerve off and drive off the cliff like the creator of the Segway did many moons ago. Hey Siri, who is the creator of the Segway? We're gonna fucking figure this out. Here's what I found from ThoughtCo.com. Heyman is an American inventor and engineer best known for inventing the Segway scooter. How did hey, he die? Siri, how did Dean Kamen die? Here's what I found. Nope. In as of August twentieth, two thousand and fourteen, uh, Dean Kamen, the inventor of the Segway, is not dead. That doesn't help me. <laughs> Son of a bitch. So Nikki Jakey lied to me. Wait, as of twenty fourteen, did it say? Yeah, I mean that's what happens when you, I don't have my phone and it's just my watch. What about the last eight years? Maybe he drove off the cliff in like twenty seventeen. Or whatever. I don't fucking know, man. Fuck this. We got... <laughs> this is simultaneously the most aggressive episode of the podcast. And also the the least... It, it's, been a, it's been a while since we sat down to record an episode of the podcast. I, I We're not doing too hot. Uh, I don't know. I mean, how do you feel? Are you, do you feel okay? Feel all right? I just can't wait to get to the Gen Three stuff. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get through it. So today, here are our topics before Pokemon Generation Three, because we want to talk about all the Pokemon generations before Scarlet and Violet come out. We are talking about Howl's Moving Castle, the Studio Ghibli, uh, also edited in Studio Ghibli, and you're gonna get the version, whatever version that you say at home. We're just we're gonna find a way to edit that in. So no one hears the version that they don't call it. You know, I, I want everyone's experience to be tailored to them. Mm, okay. So, yeah, how- so we're the, the studio Jibly film that we're talking about 
is Howl's Moving Castle, which we walked into late. Walked it, and we still haven't seen the first ten minutes because Chicago is a shithole. Never yeah. underestimate rush hour at seven o'clock on a Wednesday night getting into Chicago. Getting into Chicago, and everyone knows who's gone to Ghibli Fest, Ghibli Fest, Ghibli Fest, Ghibli Fest. Everyone knows that there aren't a whole lot of trailers that happen before the movies start. So if you're late, like you're you're late. Uh, I was also sitting on a poor girl's flannel arm the whole time because I had to get seats next to people because we couldn't put one empty seat between me and the person next to me. So instead of moving further down the aisle, I thought, I mean, what's the big deal? This theater's not going to fill up. It was a full. It was a packed theater. Yeah, there was. I was t- telling you, I I don't remember the last time I saw that many people in a theater, like um, be like without being an MCU movie because obviously yeah. like Spider Man, million people. Oh yeah, but like as far as normal movies, well, you know, like anything else, I'm just like yeah. yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that many people. Yeah, I this this movie must have a particular following that I'm just not aware of. It also was the city, so yeah, a lot of people there. So that could have been it. Um, we're also going to be talking about the <laughs> cult classic uh, album Pink Moon by Nick Drake, uh, which I suggested to David as part of his pick your albums number two, I think it was. Yes. Um, explain that video series to us. Uh, so basically, whenever there's like a dead spot of like albums coming out, um, and I don't know who to rank, I go to my audience, tell them to give me an album. I'll listen to all of them and uh, put them in order. They have a uh, Studio Ghibli nature loop on least, HBO Max. Least to most favorite. And whoever is my most favorite, I uh. go through all their albums and rank them next. Yeah, so, so it's kind of like a... It's a competition, and I think you said you wanted to start doing it every time you hit a subscriber milestone. Yeah, every 100 subs. Every 100 subs. I mean, one of these days, you're going to get to like a 1,000 subs overnight, and you're going to have to do like... At at some point, I think, honestly, by the third one, I'm going to limit it. I'm going to either, I don't know, like first 20 people or whatever. Yeah. Because I ain't going to sit here and listen to like 74 albums, because... Like that's that's hardcore. impossible. That's hardcore. Well, I'm just gonna come out and say this. I don't think us having seen the first ten minutes that we missed would have changed my opinion about the movie. Um, like, yeah, like while we were driving there, I literally just looked up the first like paragraph of the plot. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I don't know why the Witch of the Waste had any issues with Sophie or her family and put that spell on her. But let's just break down the plot very briefly. So, Sophie comes from a family of hat makers i think right it's yes, called uh min mm, minestrone min, yeah ministries and she gets a curse put on her by the witch of the waste and at that point in the movie i don't know how they know what the waste is it might just be a it might just be the like ghetto. a ghetto or you know like a fairy tale like or literally just like it's oh. just a wasteland, yeah. you know? Um, so then when we got into the theater, we walked in on the scene of Sophie 
like her mom and her sisters are downstairs and they call up to her and then Sophie's in a room and she's already an old 90 year old lady. And, um, and she leaves the house in a disguise to go through the wastes to find a wizard. And I think Howell people know who Howell is, uh, as far as I know, because she, finds this scarecrow named turnip head who leads her to howl's moving castle oh he said the thing he said the title mm-hmm. and she's like this is howl's castle whatever like if you can even call this a castle so she knows who howl is um maybe the, the I, again i don't think it changes my opinion of the movie i think it's just plot wise i'm not entirely sure how we get there but once we're at howl's castle um, it's, it's basically like a, it's kind of slice of life for a little bit. And then you find out that the government recruits wizard and wi- wizards and witches to fight on behalf of their armies. And Howell is totally against this. So he regularly leaves the moving castle to go fight the armies and these other, you know, magical users that are fighting on behalf of the government. And then the queen of one of these governments tries to recruit him and he's like, no. And I guess she also helped train a bunch of wizards and witches. So she's like, I don't get it. I don't understand. But she's very cunning. And um, then the movie ends very dramatically uh, with, I don't know. The movie kind of combines a couple of different Disney movies where like, it's kind of like Cinderella in the beginning where Sophie is like the ugly sister. And then she has two other sisters and a mom who don't really regard her too highly. And then she runs away. Um, it's kind of like beauty and the beast where Howell has this curse placed on him where he turns into, I think an owl. Is it supposed to be owls moving castle? Because you never howls the entire thing. Um, yeah, just some weird bird thing. Yeah. He's a weird bird thing. And, you know, she she's able to she tries to communicate with him while he's in this bird mode and tell him that, like, you're not a monster. And, you know, he's like, but I am. And and all of this. Um, and there's a little bit of uh, Wizard of Oz, too, weirdly enough, because there are all these curses on people. So once the curses are lifted from them, they become like there's literally a scene at the end where you find out Turnip Head had a curse put on him. And Sophie kisses him on the cheek and he turns into, they're like, oh, it's the prince from this neighboring kingdom who we, at least, I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention, but I was like, was that, was that kingdom named before? Did we know they didn't have a prince or was this like an ass pull? And then he's like, oh yeah, I was supposed to turn back into a person once I got, I got love's true kiss. And then someone else is like, well, Sophie doesn't love you. Uh, the, it still worked though. And he's just cool with it. He's like, all right, well, people change. I'm just going to come back and then she'll love me. And it's like, what the fuck? What is going on? Long story short, Howl's moving castle just left me feeling very confused. And I, I don't know. I don't know if I like it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I really liked it. There were moments that I really, really loved. Like the first time that you hear the score, the first time that you hear the theme, the banana, like the little waltz um, 
almost moved me to tears because Joe, um, I think it's Hisashi as uh, the composer. He's basically like the the John Williams to you know Steven Spielberg. It's like Joe Hisashi composes a lot of music for Hayao Miyazaki's movies. Um, yeah, his score is beautiful, and like there are some moments in the score that like. What I will say about this movie is it looks amazing. Like I, the, every single shot. I don't know if they used CG to animate the castle or if that's all 2D and it just looks super smooth because there's a lot of frames. Um, but everything looks great. Uh, the movie is very beautiful and there are some scenes where Sophie in particular, there are just landscapes and she's looking out onto different landscapes and then you hear the music swell up and I'm like, whoa, this is amazing. Uh, we watched it dubbed so we could hear Billy Crystal and Christian Bale. Um, I think Billy Crystal was kind of phoning it in. I feel like Christian Bale did a fantastic job. Who was Billy Crystal? Um, Calcifer, the fire demon. Um, Mike Wazowski. <laughs> That's probably why they cast him is because, you know, people liked him as Mike Wazowski. But I, I want to hear... I want to hear your immediate first impressions because we can go into details after. I liked it. You liked it? I liked the movie. Um, I liked Cal... I want to say Calrix. No, not the Pokemon. <laughs> not, not the big brain. Okay. So when I was reading the plot and it said, oh yeah, Sophie meets Howl and the fire demon or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in my mind... I was picturing, for some reason, you know, the first persona you get in five. Oh like yeah, the one that's on the artwork. Yeah. I, I thought it was gonna look something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like a demon of fire. Yeah, and it's just this little tiny flame with like googly eyes. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I love him. <laughs> I love him. I yeah, want one. he's he's a fan. There's a lot of merch about with Calcifer on it. Okay, all um, right, I might need some. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I love. I really like Turnip Head. I thought it was just funny how he's just a sentient scarecrow that just hops. Yeah. And I'm really glad he didn't like talk or anything because that would have been kind of goofy. Um, we have our old, little old dog. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Heen, I think is his name. And he doesn't bark. He only like, he wheezes. <laughs> and, like when yeah. he's trying to like bark. Uh, yeah. That scene where Sophie is going to the castle. I love that whole sequence. Like when she's walking and she has like these funny asides and she's like, I don't know what Howell is disguised as, but he said he was going to follow me. And he's like, she's looking. I, you know what I, okay. I need to, I need to talk fucking Christian Bale did did such a good job. Like he, he is, he's just a net, like, I don't know. It, there was, there were times where I had to convince myself that he wasn't just a voice actor. Like, and he was like an actor, actor. Cause I'm not going to Billy Crystal seemed like one of those guys. It's like granted Calcifer's mouth doesn't move naturally. It's like very like wavy. And so you can't really tell where the syllables are supposed to be. So his voice lines are kind of all, you know, they're, he has a lot more freedom to speak. However, he naturally would, but I feel like his energy was just kind of like, like several notches down the whole time. Whereas Christian Bale, it was like every single scene that he was in, Howell kind of just Howell steals the scene. It's like when when Howell shows up for the first time and you see him in like the pink and yellow cardigan, he's got his blonde hair. It's like, whoa, this guy is really cool. And then he starts talking, you know. Ah, oh, man, 
Christian Bale. It it was just it. You said uh, when he's in his like owl, like his monster form, he's just Batman. Like yeah. he just sounds like Batman. But when he's in his regular form, he just sounds like Patrick Bateman. Uh, <laughs> it's so interesting. Um, like when he just speaks very calmly. Uh, but there's some times where like Howell gets excited or gets happy or whatever. And I'm like, this is, this is, this is what I, I did not expect Christian Bale to fucking nail this, but he I did. That's, I liked all the characters. Yeah. Like, I really liked everyone. Yeah. There was not a single character that I thought was anno- like the kid, um, Markle. He wasn't annoying. Apparently that's Zach Hutchinson, um, from, um, remember bridge to Terabithia. Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. the he was the guy in Bridge to Terabithia. Mm. Um yeah, Markle was really sweet, his his little old disguise. Um the it, very similar to Spirited Away where a couple of like the villain characters get like swapped onto like the hero side and then the cast just gets bigger as the movie goes on. Um yeah, you have that with Heen the little dog who's the dog of the queen that's trying to capture Howl. Um, the witch of the waste, she is apparently way super old and she was using magic to like de-age herself. And then when she goes to the castle, there's this process that happens in like the main lobby where the queen kind of gets rid of that spell. And so she turns into this like old blob of a lady. Um, but she just like for a majority of the movie, she's just like very like brain dead, like on the, like in her eyes, you know, she's just like glazed over. And she says just like really, you know, funny, simple stuff. She's like, good dog. And then the dog pops up and he's like, <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I think for me personally, like as we got towards the end, I, I stopped. I, I think I would have to see it again because I, I like I said I just left the theater a little confused especially in the last like 10 minutes when Sophie goes through these portals and she goes back in time and she sees Howell as a kid where you find out that he caught a shooting star and made a deal with it that star ended up being Calcifer which is why him and Calcifer are connected and He's able to move the castle by telling Calcifer what to do, and Calcifer doesn't listen to anybody else. Blah blah blah. Um, yeah, and I think the idea of like having a curse placed on you, but you can never talk about it. Slash, you know, you can never have someone undo it because you can't explain to them what the curse is. I think that's very interesting. I was also very confused at why Sophie like randomly de-aged and aged yeah. throughout the movie that's one thing that i made a note of because like when they her and cal calcifer first meet yeah you know it was like all right if you figure out how to break this thing between me and howell i'll mm-hmm. fix your thing but that never gets brought back up no like she never like does anything about those because it makes it sound like Howell is holding Calcifer like hostage or something. Yeah, that's I thought Howell was gonna be like the bad guy, mm. like he he was just gonna like turn randomly like mid movie. Yeah. Um. But I'm glad that that didn't happen. Yeah. But it's like that weird plot point of like the de aging like out of random. Like sometimes it's like all the way back to her like like regular black hair, but yeah. other times she has like gray hair. It's like it doesn't really make sense. I think. I think this is probably something that we missed in the beginning. Like, I think the way to break the spell is to fall in love. I'm, I'm assuming. So that's why like throughout the movie, like when she is with 
howl and she like is closer to him she's like way younger in age um or like when she's sleeping when she's sleeping she's always like younger and then she wakes up and then she's an old lady again um What's yeah but i i mean i thought i i liked sophie a lot um i think i, I recognize her her voice when she's younger too i just i can't put my finger What's on the it the point of being alive if i can't be beautiful yeah. And then, and then yeah. she's like, "You think you have it rough? I've never been beautiful in my life." Yeah. Are you serious? You're fine as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Sophie, realize your worth, girl. You're super pretty. I mean, and you're very helpful, and you're funny. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm just. There's a part of me that's like, I, I need to watch it again just to see those first ten minutes or so. Um, I ship Howfie. Howfy, Howfy, I ship it. Or is it Sowl, so foul, Sowl. Yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. So, do you think this ranks higher than Kiki's Delivery Service for you? That's a spoiler. Oh right. Oh right. So, um. Yeah. I don't think. Did we talk about Kiki's Delivery Service? No. This is. We haven't talked about the other two. Okay. And we also haven't revealed what we're gonna end up doing with the Ghibli movies. Um after the fact but this is the last movie in ghibli fest for this year um as far as i know so we're gonna have to wait until i think um maybe spirited away is coming back i'm not sure i don't know well i'd have to check again but um howl's moving how is moving castle it, it was it was enjoyable i was just a little confused um but it's one of those things where it's like you very well could just be like, hey, it's magic. Just just throw logic out the window. Just accept that these things are going to happen and be taken on the journey, you know? Yeah. So, Nick. Yeah. Tell us about Nick. Tell, tell you about Nick? Nick is complicated. Nick is a musician. Yet Nick is living two different lives. One in the 70s in perpetuity and one right now talking to you all also nick was probably high as hell when he wrote pink moon uh nick drake is an artist that i had heard when i was going to college and my one of my professors dr dave shout out dr dave he he one day what was that? I am the doctor. That is me. Oh, <laughs> it took me a second to realize you're Dave. Ooh. I've just never called. I literally have never called you Dave. Only Vince does. He's the only one. Yeah, that's it's it's too weird for me. Um, I don't like it either. But uh, he showed us a song called Pink Moon from Nick Drake from the album of his called Pink Moon in a I think a Kia commercial. In like 2001 or two, it was it aired during the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden Nick Drake's album sales peaked again, and people were talking about him. And he was like, "That's when I remember the hearing about Pink, you know, Nick Drake and being super interested." And he showed us the song in full, and I was like, "This is a really pretty song. I really like this song." And eventually, I found the whole album, this deluxe whatever with the the sleeve on the jewel case and everything at a half price books i bought it and i listened to it all the way through and 
I really liked it. I honestly thought there were some songs on there that still hold up to this day, like really well, chord progression wise, melody wise, content wise. But just to give you kind of an idea of what Nick Drake sounds like, uh, during live shows, he would spend a good amount of time re and detuning his guitar just in silence. And this album that he recorded was recorded and mixed and mastered in two days. Uh, it's all acoustic and vocals. Everything is written by him, except for the title track has a piano line in it. But um, it is a very simple album, very heavily influenced by artists like Pink Floyd and um, Keith Moon. That's the title. And Keith Moon. Oh, really? No, I don't know. Oh, I thought you looked into it. (laughs) But I suggested this album to David because the last album that I suggested was After Laughter by Paramore, which did not do as well as I would have hoped. So I thought, okay, maybe I should dial back the, the timeline a little bit, give you something a little bit older, a little bit stylistically, something more familiar for you. But also at the same time, being something that means a lot to me and has like specific sentimental value for me. So, um, I want you to tear it apart, baby. I want, I want to hear you rip this thing to pieces. God, it was so boring. Yeah. Just, uh, acoustic. And it was just like, uh, pink moon. We're like pink boo. (laughs) Yeah. I, I also would have expected, accepted stink moon. Stink Moon. Yeah. No, I'm not going to go. Obviously, don't want to spoil what I thought about it mm-hmm. yet because, you know, but I have heard it. Yeah, he has heard it. Because I'm going in chronological order, and that being in the 70s was like one of the first ones. Wait, really? Oh, dang. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Anything else on him? Because I honestly, I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to get too hard into it. Have I mean, you heard he, his other albums? No, no, I have not. But uh, his other albums have full bands, and they are different in tone. Um, but yeah, but there are a couple of songs on Pink Moon that I was like, this could have. I, I feel like this sounds like it could have been released yesterday on some like alternative radio station. Like the chord progression, at least, um, felt very modern. And I thought that was very cool. That's that's what stuck out to me. And then it was after all of that that I that I was like, okay, maybe there's more, you know, on the surface here for me to dig into, or under the surface, under the sea. Um, yeah. But um, there was another piece of trivia that I that I forgot. But he he passed away, um like two years after this album was released and he was like 26 i think he was very young um and uh yeah and people were very quick to assume that this album was representative of his mental health at the time and you know dealing with depression and stuff like that but there were people that were close to him that refuted like no no no, nick was a very like happy guy and like making music was when he was happiest. It was like when he went home that, you know, he had to, he started dealing with those, uh, feelings and, and, um, and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, I, I didn't know what kind of reaction that I was going to get out of you, but, um, 
Boring makes sense. I wasn't being serious. Oh, really? No. Okay. Because you said you wanted me to tear apart, so I, I tear it apart. You but tore not it really. apart. Okay. I will say there was one song that annoyed me on it. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't think of I can't think of the song all of the songs right now, but, um, okay. I mean, as long as it's only one song out of all of them that annoyed you, I think. Yeah, there was one that was just kind of stupid. Yeah, was it the, like the one minute one, the minute and a half? One? It might be. Yeah. It might be. Yeah. Um. Oh no, I think I know which one you're talking about. Um, where it's like it's one note, like being played over and over. Um, yeah, I'd have to listen to it again because yeah. I don't know any of the titles. But um, okay, well, I I thought we were gonna get a lot more out of him uh, on this on this album, but I I really liked it, um, and uh, I think Pink Moon the song is actually one of my direct influences um, for um, for one of like a song that I'm recording at the moment. Um, Let me guess. Wildberry. So we're talking about Pokemon. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Pokemon generation three and. Oh, God damn, there's that. so much. Ooh boy. Gen three. We moved from motherfucking best goddamn region. I don't care who you are. Okay. You see this list of fucking games. It's crazy. Like the Hoenn region is the best region, or this like is the best gen- generation? Yes, but also Gen 3 as a whole. Okay. We're talking Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. We're talking Fire Red, Leaf Green. We're yeah. talking Coliseum and XD. Okay. We're talking Pinball, Ruby, and Sapphire. We're talking Mystery Dungeon, Red and Blue Rescue Team. We're talking the first Ranger, and we're talking Dash. That's a lot of that's a lot of good games. Holy shit. Yeah. I, well, we better start with the actual mainline games, because I feel like those... We we went more in depth on them in our uh, Pokemon retrospective video that you can find on David's gaming channel um, and watch that because we have part one and part two out and we don't have part three. We have no. not recorded part three. Part three is not happening. <laughs> I mean, if enough of you watch part one and part two, dude, tell people on your music channel to watch. Bro, if it gets 50 views, we'll do a part three. All right. If, if part two gets 50 views, then we'll do a part three. Um, but we, we went pretty heavy into our thoughts on the mainline generation three games. Um, but we can, we can dip back into them a little bit here. I think Pokemon, the third generation, um, was super impactful for me because Pokemon, the second generation of games, silver, gold, those are the only two that I played. They were responsible for my initial discovery of Pokemon and my time spent alone playing it. But Generation 3 was the generation that that brought me closer together with uh, other people. Yeah, I because I, I remember... Oh, oh. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I remember on the Game Boy SP, that's when I got a Link cable and that's when i discovered friends of mine who had pokemon and were uh yeah and i I was able to play with them and talk about pokemon yourself included because i didn't really know that i don't 
I didn't know that you played Crystal. I didn't know that you were into Pokemon. And then Generation 3 came out, and all of a sudden I was talking to all my friends about what their favorite starter was and what their favorite Pokemon were. And I was, like, drawing Pokemon. And um, then Fire Red and Leaf Green came out, and it was, like, a whole, like, rediscovery of Kanto in these new... Gra- with the new graphical capabilities of the Game Boy SP or the Game Boy Advance. And, um, yeah, I just, I went so hard on, on those, on those games as I'm sure, you know, you did too. And a lot of y'all out there did. And I, I guess as far as playtime goes, this is the generation that definitely got the most out of me, um, was generation three, probably because, it was at the perfect intersection of like me having the most amount of time to myself. Cause I, I was just in school and the, like the highest interest in Pokemon, at least before high school, like gen generation three, that the hype was real. Um, and, uh, yeah, I Blaziken and Torchic, like the Torchic line is still my favorite starter line to this day. I'm like, I, I love, I, I just, oh man, getting, getting to grow. Like when my blazer can learn blaze kick and sky uppercut, I was like, did I just get two exclusive moves? This is amazing. This firefighting chicken is going to, is going to get me through the Pokemon league. And it did. And then I got Kyogre because, uh, I started with Sapphire and I gave that motherfucker thunder and surf and like ice beam and like those two carried me every time I like ran through the elite four. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think of what else I really enjoyed from the gen three games. I never played Emerald. Yes, you did. Well, okay. Yeah. Until I didn't play Emerald as a kid. Until I forced you to. Until David forced me to. Um, but it was still, it was still super fun. Man, I went hard. Okay. I started with fire red, which we'll get to. In a little bit. In a couple of minutes. But, yeah, Ruby was game number three, and I went ham on this motherfucker. The soundtrack. Yeah. The horns. The horns. Goddamn Petalburg City. Petalburg City. Ah, oh, such an underrated song. Um, But, yeah, my homie, uh, we got Trico, mm-hmm. Septile, Grovile. Even yeah. Grovile's a badass. Grovile's cool. Um, probably objectively cooler than Septile, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, grass types have a tendency to be cool in their second stage. Yeah, Team Magma, like, land versus water. Like, we're talking continental battles. Yeah, we had separate enemy teams for the first time. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, yeah. Motherfucking Wally. Wally? What a loser. Hey, all right. <laughs> okay, he gets a Ralts. That's Wa- his first Pokemon. Yeah. The only move it knows is Growl. How did you train it? You yeah. ain't beaten no Pokemon. That's a good question. Through the power of friendship. What are you uh, going through all the growls and using struggle, throwing potions at Ralts every time <laughs> it gets like too low in health? It's <laughs> um, the only way. Maybe. I, that just shows Wally's dedication. I, I will say I am glad that you get to f- like Wally gets his own like true boss fight in the remakes in uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. But that's that's for Gen 6. That's for our Gen 6 talk, but... We got Latios. Yeah. Favorite Pokemon ever. I don't know why. I like Blue. Yeah, Latios became one of my favorite legendaries, too. I just... Um, I really liked... 
getting to use uh, Surf. I gave all my Pokemon Surf. Any Pokemon that could learn Surf, I fucking gave it to them. So. Surf was OP. OP yeah. as hell. Yeah, it, it it like barely missed, and it like there are so many types that are weak to water. Yeah, my my Latias. It, it would like between Blaziken, Latias, and uh, Kyogre, I had one of my favorite teams, at, at least of just three Pokemon, uh, for a really long time. Um, God damn. You got the Battle Frontier. Not yet. And Pokemon Emerald. No, oh, yeah, that came later. But I was just talking about basic Ruby. Oh, basic Ruby. Um, Groudon's badass. Yeah. Rayquaza's is cool. The whole trip up to. Uh, pillar tower i forget what the actual thing is called um such a pain in the ass when you have to get the bike and go over the, yeah uh, the things um i had sapphire for a bit but i was an angry child and uh i lost to wabafet in the pokemon contest so i broke it <laughs> oh man yeah i broke sapphire broke yellow oh my god i think it was just those two if only you had the foresight to see how expensive those games are now yeah yeah very true especially with the boxes oh yeah i still have um green yeah i still have i mean i guess this is a good segue because i think emerald came out after fire and leaf green right I think so yeah i gotta dust this but yeah this is the original box from when i got uh, Pokemon Leaf Green. I'm surprised my mom didn't throw it away, um, but it's got the uh, manual in there. Um, That's worth like $200 right there. I mean, it's in terrible condition, uh, but yeah. I don't know. It's it's just a really cool relic, and I I had fire I had fire red at first, but I had to get Leaf Green because uh, one time I lost my Game Boy Advance SP, and it had pokemon in it it had pokemon fire red and i was very distraught and then that day my mom we were about to go to a party for my mom's friend but she went out and she bought um a new game boy for me um with i think it was this game she bought a new silver game boy sp for me and like a new pokemon game and i was just i was so ecstatic i also I have very vivid memories of playing Pokemon Sapphire like for the first time and my mom was like, All right, we gotta go somewhere and I was like, Okay. And as long as I could bring my Game Boy, I didn't I didn't care where we went. I, I didn't care what chores we had to do. I was just so engrossed by Pokemon. Um Yeah, dude. And then Fire Red and Leaf Green comes out and all of our friends are like re getting back into generation one, which some would call the best generation, but you know, you got Voltorb, one of the one of the worst designed Pokemon, fucking ever, and then yeah, it evolves but, into an upside down Pokeball. Yeah, but the theory that it's a Haunter that possesses a Pokeball is kind of cool because they have the same eyes. Oh my god, it's kind of cool. I think it's only because the like Ken Sugimori. I think he was just the artist, but the design team making Pokemon at the time, they were like, all right, uh, Pokemon are either gonna have dots for eyes or they're gonna have the Haunter eyes, and that's it. Um, there's, you know, several, maybe a couple in between. I but. remember being so disappointed when I played Leaf Green. Um, I rem- <laughs> I still remember the this the, the Christmas I got it on. Mm-hmm. Um, opened up my present and it was Leaf Green. I was like so fucking excited. Yeah. I ran downstairs to play it, and I was like, oh, this is the same game as Fire Red, because mm. that was the first time I had like the the, the other one, you know. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, it's just the same thing. 
Yeah. Which it is, but, you know, different Pokedex or whatever. Yeah. It took me a long time to to get the other version of something. Um, I think it was Red Rescue Team, and I never had Red Rescue Team. I only had Blue Rescue Team. Uh, but that was cool that one was on the Game Boy and one was on the DS. Um, and if you look at the artworks, it's like one of them, they're looking in a hole. Yeah. And the other one, they're in the hole looking up. So they're, yeah. like, looking at each other. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It's It's very... Oh yeah, and then Red Rescue Team—they're—they're they're on top and they're looking down. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. Um, yeah, bro. And then fucking Emerald comes out. Oh my yeah. god! And I just—I never played Emerald. All three legendaries, the goddamn Battle Frontier. Yeah, hands down the most time I've ever put into like a Pokemon thing, trying to get the goddamn badges. I got three of them. Yeah. Uh, I never beat. I got to the Pyramid guy. A couple of times, but I never could beat him because mm. it was hard as hell. And the pyramid, oh my god, I I I can't do that shit anymore. Yeah. Last time I tried to play it, I was like, "This fucking sucks. I hate this." <laughs> yeah, it was. It, I I had only recently discovered the battle pyramid or the battle frontier, but they had one in um platinum too. I think. Yeah, they did. Which is cool, but not the same. It was not the same. Um, and what else we got on that list? Yeah, I mean, you touched on mystery dungeon yeah mystery dungeon holy fuck i put i put so much time in the mystery dungeon and um i i put so much time into pokemon mystery dungeon because i had like i like i just said i had blue so i had i had on the on the ds and just taking the quiz and figuring out what Pokemon you were. Oh my God. I, I didn't even have a Pokemon that I really wanted to be. I think on the first try, um, I can't remember if it was my first try or if I like took it multiple times and I settled. Uh, but I got Squirtle and I had never really, I had never really had any particular feelings about Squirtle up until that point. But now Squirtle is my favorite gen one starter um and any chance that i get to like get a squirtle in any sort of game and get a blastoise at the oh man i blastoise is so cool um but uh yeah i got a squirtle and like i was saying torchic is my favorite starter line so instead of getting to play as torchic i made him my partner so it was squirtle and torchic and um I forget what my team name was, but it was very silly and it was very, uh, very juvenile. You know, I like, I didn't, I didn't have, um, I, I took it so seriously. Cause I was like, this is, we're playing as Pokemon. This is the coolest thing ever. I would be a Squirtle. And at the same time they released a, um, a, an animated episode like a like a like an anime oh, episode yeah, I forgot of that existed yeah i remember watching that live like as it happened i was shitting my pants um because it followed a charmander a squirtle and a chikorita and chikorita ended up being my favorite um grass starter but at the time there were only like three starters so or three generations so like you know um generation three was also the time in my life that i went to a pokemon like convention and I, it was downtown. I think they did like a Pokemon Center pop-up shot. Like, I think that's what it was just in Chicago. I have pictures of me, my chubby little self, with a mascot of Munchlax and Pikachu. 
I have a little frame with Ash and Brock and May and like all of their Pokemon and Max, uh, like a picture frame with that picture in it. I bought a stuffed Groudon, like a Poke doll. Like it wasn't like a proportionally correct stuffed plushie. It was like a Poke doll that you would get in the game. One of the best days of my life. And I barely got to do anything uh, because my family was so concerned with like spending as little time as possible in there because my mom was like, I don't have money to buy you all this shit. Uh, buy one thing. And I begged her to get a plushie. And I think I got growled on because he looked the coolest. Um, anyway, yeah. So Mystery Dungeon. I spent so much time in that game. Like the the replay value of that game is... I would argue is entirely in two things. One, uh, getting all, like recruiting all the legendaries, but also when you recruit a Pokemon, there's only like a 30% chance that you'll recruit them. And I am not kidding when I tell you the highest, like for like the highest amount of adrenaline I ever had in my body as a child was when you would kill a legendary in Pokemon after doing the dungeon three times in a row going up 70 floors three times in a row and like you would knock them out and then they would have that the the you know when you knock out an enemy in like a pixelated game they start to like fade out but like if the Pokemon stayed like in that you know in that like they started flashing and then they stayed like they didn't disappear all the way then you knew that they were going to ask you to recruit them and it was the best fucking feeling in the world. Oh my God. Holy shit. I, I still have never recruited Jirachi. Um, but I did get to the end. Uh, no. And on the DS, I never got to the end. But on the new, the remakes, the Super Mystery Dungeon, or Mystery Dungeon DX, um, I got to the end of that cave. You remember the day I got Mystery Dungeon? Yeah. I got Red Rescue Team. Yeah, and we were in your backyard um with another friend of ours at the time and we were all i think you got charmander on the first shot didn't you you said i couldn't do it you said there was no way i was gonna get him and I, we were in my room and i was doing the questions and i got charmander first fucking try i was very upset i uh, still have pictures of that whole like birthday party yeah in, like a photo book yeah that was that was insane i like that b- birthday parties and getting presents was such a big deal because like dude when your friend finally got the game that you've been wanting them to get so you can play it with them it's the best feeling in the world and then you play mystery dungeon and it's just like it was a magical experience like playing mystery dungeon for the first time more so than any other pokemon game for me i'm pretty Um, sure i squirtle was my partner yeah Um, i think so too dude that game was fucking hard. Yeah. Within like three dungeons, you're fighting Zapdos. Yeah. And like, if you're unprepared, like you get fucked up in that game. Yeah. I mean, uh, the mystery dungeon, like that style of games, monster houses. Oh my God. Fucking. Oh my. The Groudon fight. Yeah. The goddamn Rayquaza fight. If you don't have two entire like bags of reviver seeds, you're fucked. Yeah, and you can only hold a certain amount of items per bag. And then if you lose in a battle, you lose everything in your bag. And it's like, okay, I got to start at the beginning of this dungeon. Or no, it's either I start at the checkpoint of this dungeon with none of my items or half my items. Or I start at the beginning, which in some cases can be like a whole extra 25 levels or whatever. Or you have your friend come like get you. 
Yeah, and that's that's why it was really it was also very beneficial to have friends with the Mr. Dungeon game was, you know, if they were in the same spot of the game that you were and they happened to like be going through that dungeon. Um, I, I don't know, man, it was, it was rough, but it, it put some hair on your chest and for the, sure. Like the story. Remember that part where like, they all think you're the, the cause of the end of the world. Yeah. And the town like attacks you and you have to go on this long ass. Yeah. Like, uh, like going through like constantly all these different dungeons like in a row. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it is a gauntlet for sure. And then you get to the end, and they find out that you're not the reason that the world is about to end. But then you start to like die. Yeah, you start to like fade away, and your character actually like texts because the whole game you're like yeah. your character just moves like Link and fucking Zelda. Right. Um. So they never actually talk, but in that moment they actually like you talk like yeah on screen and then you die and your partner starts crying yeah oh my god that was i that was the saddest i ever got at a pokemon game well and they don't even bring you back before the credits roll like you die and then the credits start to roll and it's not until like the end of the credits that like you come back to life um and you get to keep playing the game dude mystery dungeon games at least those first two um and we'll have to talk about um explorers of time and darkness and sky the next time but yeah th- i would argue that those are probably like better games but red rescue team and blue rescue team they just if they if they hadn't come out i, I wouldn't have been nearly as hyped for the sequels the only thing that always annoyed about those games is like when you want to evolve oh, like yeah. your partner is never following you again because you have yeah. to like put them in their base and then that's it. So if you ever want to evolve, like you lose that partner diamond dynamic forever. Yeah. I mean, you can still bring them along with you to like dungeons and stuff. Yeah. And um, you can like play as anyone, which I think was kind of, yeah, cool. you get to play as your partner and then bring, you know, like Nick on your team. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, man, yeah, man. Fucking as far as Pokemon spinoffs go, this is definitely the best generation for him. Cause we also got the first Pokemon Ranger game, uh, on the DS, and I played, I played that not as much as Mystery Dungeon, but I really liked Pokemon Ranger. Yeah, I. Um, you remember how like badass it looked when you had like the dogs behind you? Or, oh like, yeah, cats or whatever they are now. Yeah, it's the the part that sucks the most about those games is like, I think you only get like a partner Pokemon. I think it's like your Pikachu, Pichu, um, something like that, but. When you capture a Pokemon, you're only like basically borrowing them because you're just, a, you're just a ranger, you know. So like you're basically like a wildlife uh, specialist in that universe. So when you capture a Pokemon, they follow you around, but like y- you have to use them. Uh, they get like when you're in boss fights and stuff, like when you're capturing other Pokemon. Depending on the type of Pokemon, it gives you a specific boost and like it helps, you know. It either reduces the amount of circles that you need to get around a Pokemon or, like, stuns them in place for a little bit. But, like, the stronger the Pokemon, the stronger the effect. So if you caught legendaries, there was a part of you that never wanted to use them because then they would just go away. Like, you would have to recapture them. And in some cases, I don't think you could recapture some of those legendaries. I'm not sure. Capturing, I think it was Entei or Raikou. Oh One of those God. two, they, it was the so worst. So bad. I think it was Entei because he kept pulling, uh, putting up like pillars of fire, 
um like around him and you had to oh my god and they kept like moving like in and out and it was the worst um yeah but i i i did really like the idea of like they basically took a like an npc and gave you an entire game where you played as a pokemon ranger um and then they made sequels to the pokemon ranger games and like i don't know man pokemon spinoffs i i i don't think i think i think they go unappreciated for the most part um some of them definitely go unappreciated but this was this was the time where you know they they got i think they got the love that they deserved um because pokemon started experimenting with a bunch of different style like pinball when pinball came out i know there was like a pinball on the game boy i think yeah there was um but pinball ruby and sapphire i played the shit out of that too just trying to like complete the pokedex and like i i i think on the cartridge that i have I completed the Pokédex. Like, you still have it. I remember playing it here not too long ago. Yeah. And I was just as addicted to it as ever. Yeah, I, I still have it. It's I, it's just pinball, but, like, the goal, like, you're supposed to catch different Pokémon, and you catch them by hitting the ball, which is a Pokéball, like, at them. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then you can evolve Pokémon that you've already caught, like, in the same game that you started um, using a, a different like bonus that they have on like the pinball um face i don't i don't know yeah but um and then there was goddamn dash which i play i actually beat dash i never played um, pokemon dash it was a pain in the ass because you have to keep keep swiping on the yeah. uh, the ds pad for them to run um i don't remember too much about it yeah but like i don't know it was amusing i guess i just fucking hated like the ds how all the games needed to use this like i will i will never forgive nintendo for fucking uh making phantom hourglass not to get off topic yeah the zelda game on the ds how you could only move with the fucking stylus right and it got so fucking annoying i i I can't actually even play it um yeah and then there was the coliseum games which right i played a little bit of the first one but it's a different game entirely like, yeah um you start out with like espion and umbreon and uh, you play as some dude it, it's like the whole world is like post-apocalyptic yeah you go around and you gotta like there's like shadow energy or whatever mm-hmm. um on your pokemon you have to keep using certain moves to free them i don't know i didn't really like it to oh. be honest um, but I do know it has like a following. Yeah. Did Gale of Darkness also come out in Gen Three? Sure Shadow did. Lugia is such a cool. Oh man! If if Lugia's shiny wasn't just pink, I would say that Shadow Lugia should definitely be like same thing with Primal Di- um, Dialga in um, the sequels to Mystery Dungeon. There, there, there are so many like variations of Pokemon like legendary Pokemon that are in spin-off games that like never get introduced in the mainline games. I think people would go fucking ape shit if like GameStop distributed like a uh, a Gale of Darkness like Lugia. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my god, I would only use that Pokemon or like yeah, oh man, or, or sick. yeah, but um and with the GameCube like because there was they were on the GameCube. Um, there was like the adapter where you can mm. like plug 
it in, and you can play your Game Boy games on the GameCube. Yeah. And I remember playing, like, Ruby and Sapphire, like, with the controller. It was awesome. I... It's fucking so, Gen 3. I'm telling you, it was the best time. Yeah, my, my cousin KJ, he, he was the only person that I knew that had a GameCube, and... I never got a, a home Nintendo console until the Switch. Like, I did not have a Wii. I didn't have a Wii U. I didn't have a GameCube. I didn't have an wow. N64. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, mean, I, But I was the biggest Pokemon fan. Like, I had a PS2. Then I got a 360 because I wanted to play Gears of War with you. And then I got an Xbox One. Uh, and then I switched over to a PS4. Um, and then I got a Nintendo Switch. So I had all three major consoles at once for the first time in my life. And to this day, the Nintendo Switch is the one that I play the most. Uh, I think yeah. it's all of those lost years. Um, plus the IPs and like the the games on them are just they're they're really really good. So again, not to get too off topic, but um, yeah. One more thing about these games. Um, the only friend I ever remember like meeting was my friend Jason, mm-hmm. and I remember like everything about it. But like the first time I met him. I walk. I went to his house because his brother let me in, mm. and he was walking down the stairs with a Game Boy, playing Ruby. I was yeah. like, "Yo, all right, we're dogs." That's <laughs> it, my man. Yeah, dude. Ah. I Pokemon in Generation Three was it. Pokemon was at the peak of its power. I think, like, they had made the first generation unexpected success. They made the sequel probably one of the best sequels of all time and then all of a sudden they had to make a third generation and that's when i think they came to the realization that like oh shit this is going to go on for a while yeah um so once they realized that all of these remakes started coming out and all of all of the the potential of pokemon i honestly think it was the start of modern pokemon as we know it like where the anime and the video games and the trading card series and all of the toys, they have to like line up and the release of everything has to be like so calculated. Whereas the first two generations, I feel like it was more of an artistic endeavor. Not to say that Pokemon isn't an artistic endeavor now, but there's so much more money involved. Um, and Gen 3 felt like the perfect cross section of like artistic endeavor and like creative power and just they were going nuts with all of these ideas um and also like the peak curiosity of like people you know i i feel like people started falling off the pokemon train but like our generation started getting on the train you know and um it was just a very magical time to be a pokemon fan so join us next time uh we're gonna talk about you know two completely separate topics and then more pokemon um I am so excited for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I literally, I remember when Sword and Shield came out and I came over to your house and we just spent literally the entire day yeah. playing through Sword and Shield because <laughs> yeah. um, I wanted to see what our fully evolved starters would look like. And I think you evolved Rillaboom. Um, yeah, because we never looked at them. No, we, I, I, did, I avoided all the leaks as, as best as I could. Well, we got to try to do that again. Yeah, we gotta try to do that again for Scarlet and Violet, um, which comes out in like a little over a month. Cause that duck is all mine. It's I'm like, getting off the grass train after like a million generations. I'm going water. Staying on the bird train. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> bird to monkey to bird again. Yeah, yeah. There's. It's like Uno. It's like 
you know, you had two grass starters and then you had like two bird starters. Um, now you can have a team of all birds. Like of all, all three different types. Like, uh, oh, I think you already could do that because Piplup is a bird. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, it's yeah, so now you can have Quaxley. Yeah, penguins, they're not actually they, they, flying they birds. Count. They barely count. Yeah, yeah. so you can have Torchic, Quaxley, and uh, and uh, Rowlet now. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, and we get to uh, <laughs> something much later on. <laughs> All right, well, we'll, we'll see you next time. Um, it'll be another two weeks probably. Uh, and, uh, you know, I... I will be the first to admit that we have not been doing, particularly I have not been doing as good of a job uh, with, you know, cutting the clips up and putting the episodes out and stuff like that. So if you're listening to this or if you're watching this, thank you for your patience. Uh, we, we appreciate it. Um, we both have some really exciting things in the works and, uh, you know, some exciting things happening in our lives. And, um you know, the fact that we're able to still make time for the podcast and edit and post it and stuff, it's still very cool. And I'm very grateful that we get to do that. So thanks for listening. Um, thank you, David, for being my lovely co-host. And thank you, Vanessa, um, for being my one and only daughter. And thank you, Volvo, you ugly fucking piece of shit car. V60. For joining us. Uh, we will see you next time where we will both be wearing mustaches, but you have to guess whose is fake and whose is real. So, um, good luck. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, I can't grow facial hair. So. Rip.